Thanks for listening to this sermon from River of Life Alliance Church. We hope the Holy Spirit uses it to point you toward Jesus. If you call River of Life home, we'd encourage you to join a journey group where you can unpack our sermons with a group of people who want to get to know you, who will care for you, read the Bible with you, pray over you, and serve alongside you. Amen. We can have a seat this morning. Thank you, team, so much for that, the time of worship and song. It's always, and I, I feel like I always am saying this, but it is so true. No matter what a week can bring, ups and downs of life, ups and downs of emotional states or emotional states of mind, doesn't go without fail every Sunday morning coming to worship here uh, with you guys, with my brothers and sisters in Christ. It's always, um, it's always an honor. It's a privilege. And I pray that it is for, for you as well this morning. To, to praise God with fellow believers is a powerful thing. Uh, and I thank God for it. I thank God that we can meet in a country that is free. We're not afraid uh, of society coming down on us necessarily. I guess that's possible, right? But uh, I praise God this morning. I, I praise that you do, you do too. Well, welcome this morning. Uh, my name is Matt, one of the pastors here on staff at River of Life. And again, as Brian mentioned earlier, uh, if you're new with us, welcome. I'm glad you're here to worship with us this morning. I hope today can be encouraging in your walk with the Lord Jesus. I might cause to make uh, some new haters of me this morning. I know that's an odd way to intro, but I, for one, I grew up in the state of Maine, okay? I grew up in the, if this is the state of Maine, I grew up in the northwestern part of the state. We always got pummeled with snow. I remember winter was like from end of October into late March or April, right? I love the snow, and I've been praying for snow, and finally, we got some snow. Anyone excited for the snow this morning? Hey, a lot more than the first service. I, I had haters the first service, right? Anyways, I know some of you, you know, may have moved to Junction to get away from the snow, and I've heard this, expre- this expression the last five years I've been, I've been here. I've literally heard a lot of you say, the snow can stay on the mesa, don't bring the snow in the valley, but I'm praising God this morning that the snow came into the valley. I heard Mark, uh, that was one from Mark too. I, Mark Tabor said that before. Anyways, uh, I'm just praising God for the snow this morning. It's great. And uh, hey, if you live in Junction, be thankful because about five miles west or even a few miles just, or not west, east out in Clifton, man, there's about five inches of snow out there that we had to shovel off our snow and our cars this morning and uh, here was a little less. Uh, I do want to take a moment, I just remembered too, uh, I want to thank a couple people. I'm not going to name their names, but uh, we have an on-call uh, a shoveling crew here at the church just in case we do get snowstorms. And as you notice, you may have noticed, both snowstorms that we've had were on Saturday nights this year. So we've had two crews that had to shovel snow. And so they were up this morning early shoveling out so that we can walk in and they salted the way. So can we just give them a round of applause? You guys know who you are. And uh, we're just thankful for you this morning for serving in that way. Uh, well, we've been in a series. Uh, if you've been with us in the last couple of weeks, we've, uh, we've started a new series, Mothers, Brothers, and Others. And again, I mentioned I'm from the state of Maine, so every time Brian has said that so far, I've wanted to say it like this, Mothers, Brothers, and Others. And I finally get to say it. So, there we are. It's our new series, and that's how we would say it in Maine. And uh, we spent the last two weeks, uh, Brian's been talking about marriage and I pray, I know for me and my wife, it's been great. Those messages have been great. Uh, Brian talked about that the gospel holds the key 
to unlocking the storage set, if you will, to get the fuel, the logs, to put on, or if you remember the display that was up here, to put the logs on the fire of our marriage. He talked about how Christ and the gospel, what Christ did for the church and how he continues to serve the church is, is a picture of marriage. Anyways, he shared many fuels, many keys about what that looks like. And it was awesome. And I pray, and he said this both weeks, and I pray you really took this. If you're single, we, you are not a second-rate citizen. If you are single this morning, maybe just dating, or you're single and you're not dating, and you're looking forward to a dating relationship or someday a marriage relationship, Brian said it two weeks in a row, and I'm going to remind you, you're not a second citizen. Uh, it's awesome that you're single right now. God has a plan for your life. We were all there at one point. And I pray that in the last couple of weeks, I pray you didn't check out. I pray that you did take notes and thought through, okay, when God brings marriage into my life, I want to have these things going on in it. And I pray that you've been tucking those away uh, for yourselves in the future. Well, this morning we continue in this series, and we're diving into this morning the area of friendship. The area of friendship. Like marriages, the gospel also is the key to unlocking great and thriving spiritual friendships. Okay, and as we get going this morning, I want to have you all turn to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2. We've read it many times here in church. Turn to Acts chapter 2, and we're going to be reading verse 42 and on a little bit this morning. So turn there if you would. Flip there on your phone. However you want to get there, get there with us as we begin thinking about friendship. As you're turning there, context here, this is the early church. Uh, We literally just had the gospel uh, uh, do its thing, the good news of the gospel. Jesus had just lived his life. We have Jesus. He had just died. He was buried. He rose again. He was victorious over sin and death. He conquered death on our behalf. Again, he was risen again, and and he, he walked the earth for 40 days with five, over 500 witnesses saw the glorified body of Christ as he walked around and mingled, and, and he gave the disciples their final charge as he ascended into heaven. And, and, and again, leading up to this passage in Acts, we have Acts 1-8 where Jesus says, hey, I want you guys to stay here in Jerusalem, and when the, the Spirit, my, my Spirit's going to descend upon you, you're going to have power to be my witnesses both here in Jerusalem and Judea to Samaria and the outermost parts of the world. And Jesus gives this commission, and, and the whole gospel is unfolded as the Spirit comes, fills the church, and we have the, the Apostle Peter giving this uh, sermon at Pentecost that leads us to verse 42 here. And just before that, verse 41 says, Those who received his word, Peter's word, and were baptized, were added to that day about 3,000 souls. So we have this huge thing. The gospel just happened. The Spirit comes. People are, the, the church is born, and now the church is starting to live on mission. And, and this is what happens, okay? Again, we've read this before, but notice what happens here. And they, these new believers in Christ, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread And to the prayers. And I'm going to keep reading here for a moment. And awe came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And and, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings. And distributing all the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day attending in the temple. Breaking bread together in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts. Praising God. And having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. 
What a huge picture. We've read this many times in this church. What a picture of the early church as the Spirit comes, as the gospel was just unfolded, as Jesus did what he did for us. And, and we have these new believers starting to embark on this mission of God as the church. And jumping back up to verse 42, I want us to notice what these new believers, what the first part of the church were devoted to. Okay? And they were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. Okay, so for us today, as we think about that, okay, it's a little different context. We're here, we have the Word of God. They had the actual teaching of the apostles and then the letters being written after that, right? But we have the apostles' teaching today. We devote ourselves to this. We're going to talk for a moment. and They, they, they devoted themselves to fellowship. We're going to get back to that here in a moment. They were devoting themselves to breaking of bread. We do that here. We have communion. We have the Lord's Supper where we celebrate this, the symbolism of Jesus' uh, body and Jesus' blood and that new covenant that he, that he did for on our behalf, breaking bread. And then they dedicated themselves as a people to prayer. Okay, but this morning when we're thinking about this next aspect of relationships, God has created us as relational beings, one in marriage as, as part of our relationships that we'll have. Another part is friendship. Now, it says that they devoted themselves to fellowship. That word has been muddled in the church today. If we go back into the Greek and, and back into this culture where Paul's, or, or, or Dr. Luke is, is recording this act, in this, in this day when he said fellowship, it's the Greek word koinonia. And yes, it's translated fellowship, but if we get back into the heart of really what that was meaning here, for them to be devoted to fellowship. Again, when I say fellowship, you may think, Coffee, cookies in the foyer, you know, kind of holding your coffee, got your cookie, you know, you're, you're kind of hiding behind the coffee and cookies, and you're really not, you're not really befriending people, you're just kind of casually saying hi to your acquaintances, right? Or maybe we'll think of uh, the chili cook-off just last night, if you were here, awesome time of fellowship here at the chili cook-off, or at least I would say the beginning of what true fellowship looks like, a little glimpse of what fellowship may look like. Again, this word has been muddled. Having a potluck or getting get-togethers get over dinner it, it sure is part of fellowship, but the root heart of fellowship, of this word koinonia, is a deep communion and friendship among believers. A deep, not just surface, but a deep communion under the banner of Jesus Christ and everything he's done, a deep communion of friendship is what koinonia is, what fellowship is all about. Koinonia. Tim Keller quotes this in one of his sermons talking about friendship and fellowship. The gospel not only sends you deeper into the heart of God, deeper into the heart of a hurting world, but also deep into the heart of other brothers and sisters in Christ. Friendships. Deep friendships, bonds that we have with other brothers and sisters in Christ. Today, I want us to hang our hat on a statement, a phrase that, that I believe is true for us today. The phrase is this, friendships must be a central part of our, of our spiritual life as we become more like Jesus. And I intentionally said friendships must, not friendships can or friendships should, or, or you might want to think about this, friendships, guys and gals, must, they, they have to, they must be a central part of our spiritual life. They have to, as we become more like Jesus. 
And, and there's a lot of reasons for this. There was a lot of different angles. I, I, we could have gone this morning, and, and it was honestly kind of hard. Like, Lord, we, we, you know, there's so much to talk about, about this, this deep root of koinonia and this friendship and what, what we're, you know, how we're wired. And, but God led me to just three things to support that. Why are friendships a central part of our spiritual life? Number one, friendships are in our DNA. We'll get to that. Number two this morning, friendships will keep us on target. We'll chat about that. And finally, friendships bridge the gap to the lost. Pray with me real quick before we continue. Lord Jesus, God, as we open your word and as we shuffle through your word and your gospel, and God, the New Testament about, about this, this concept of friendships, and God, why it should be a central part of our lives, Jesus, would you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, the way you can, supernaturally apply it to our lives. Lord, illuminate truth to us. Lord, use your word. Lord, use what's spoken this morning to, 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 to cause a change in our life. And God, may we leave from this place a changed people because of your word and your spirit's illumination of truth to us. Jesus, we ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's dive in this morning. So number one, why, why should friendships be a central part of our spiritual life as we become more like Jesus? Well, number one, as we get going here, friendship is in our DNA. Now, I want you to do this. Go back to the book of Genesis. Go back to the beginning, Genesis chapter 1. Friendship is in our DNA. It's part of how we were wired. As you turn there, we have Genesis 1 here. We have the account of creation. We have God. Um, come, he, he's on the scene, and he's, he's creating the world. He, he's speaking into existence all that we see and know. And he spends five days creating the, the light and the world and the heavens and the earth and the waters. And he separates the waters from the earth. And he creates the cattle and the, you know, and the fish of the sea and, and, and the birds of the air. And, and it's almost like all of creation pauses as we come to the sixth day. It's almost like creation pauses as something special is about to unfold. And we come to verse 26, Genesis chapter 1, and it reads this. It says, Then God said... Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish and over the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of man, he created him. Male and female, he created them. You may not see it, just, just re- if we read that quickly, we don't notice it. But how were we made? We were made in God's image. As God paused in creation, it's like he paused because everything else he had created so far was not made in his image or in his likeness. And he pauses, and the Bible specifically points out that, that God, and, and this is here we see the first part of, of this, this concept of the Trinity, let us make God in our image. What's, what's, the, what's going on there? Well, it's, it's God saying, let us, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, as they're creating, they pause and they go, let's make man very different than the ocean that we just made, very different than the, the ground that we just made, very different than any cattle or birds or reptiles that we just made. Let's make man now in our own image. Now, there's a lot of implications about that. You may have heard many sermons about what that could mean, and, and there are. There's a lot of implications about why or what it means for us that we were made in God's image. Well, one this morning, as we think about this concept of friendship, think about who God is. God is a triune God, right? One God, three persons, 
mystery, but real. We see it all in Scripture. We see it fleshed out in different ways in the Gospel. We see it fleshed out in the teachings of, of the New Testament. God is one God, yet in three persons. And we know by theology that He existed. So here's creation, and here's a million, billion years in eternity's past, which, I'm sorry, if you think on this, it kind of boggles your mind, and I get a little squeamish. I'm like, yee. Right? He, God existed all He always was. He never had a beginning. He won't have an end, but he never had a beginning. And, but we see a beginning of creation. We have a beginning. But God never had a beginning, and he existed eternally in this three-person trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. I have no way of knowing exactly what that relation looked like, but there was a friendship that he was sharing. There was a relationship, a love, a connection that he was sharing with himself for eternity past. And it says that, hey, out of, out of our likeness, out of our image, part of God's image is this, is this friendship unity, is this, is this relational being going on. And out of that image, he goes, I'm making man out of that. So if we think about it, part of our DNA in the beginning as we were created, God made us with a capacity and a desire for friendship. It's wired into who we are because we're made in God's image. Now, not only in the beginning of our creation is it in our DNA, if you skip over Genesis, Leviticus, all, all these books of the Bible, all the Bible history, we got Jesus coming, dying, rising, we got the church coming, and blah, blah, blah. we come all the way here right to Revelations, we have eternity future, we have God and us and the believers in him having eternal friendships and eternal relationships in the future. So not only does our DNA start with, with a friendship and relationship in the beginning, but our, our destiny is going to be eternal friendships, both with God and with man. Friendship, you can't deny it, it's in our DNA. It's how we were created. It's how we're, we're going to be wired for eternity. Now my question for us this morning in this point is, in this in-between, where are we at? I've heard some people say, whether they're men or women, I've heard different people say, boy, I wish I could just live out in the mountains in a cave all by myself and be a hermit and grow a big beard and a big belly and just sit there by myself. You know, and I can understand, I can understand the the joy of being in nature and all that. I, I understand kind of where that's coming from. But I think some people in an unhealthy way really want to be alone. And I would question why and what in your life have you gone through for for you to come to a place where you don't want to have any reaction or interactions with people, where you don't want to have friendships, where where you can't open up and be close to someone because you were wired for it. You're going to have eternal relationships like it, but you're not experiencing it now. And, and, And I would say that should put a red flag up in your head this morning. What is God wanting you to speak as we continue through this message? If you're one this morning that, that may not have a lot of close friendships, I'm sure there's a lot of reasons why. But let's start, let's start asking the Lord, okay, what's going on? What's happening here? We were wired. It's in our DNA for friendship. Not only that, but why must friendship be a, be a part of our spiritual life? Not only are we wired for it, But friendships, number two this morning, friendships keep us on target. Now, what do I mean by that? 
Don't turn there. These scriptures are going to be on the screen here. I don't want you to turn there because I'm going to, we're going to be jumping around different scriptures and I'm going to just take it easy on how much we're shuffling around. They're going to be on the screen for us. The author of Hebrews writes here in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Paul in Philippians 3, 13 through 14, again, it's on the screen. He says this, brothers, sisters, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Scriptures like this and many, many more as you see the Gospels and see the the New Testament unfold and as we read them, uh, we we see that there's a destination. There's a goal. There's a target. There's a, if you think of of an archer, you're you're, you're going towards a a bullseye. There's a target a goal that Scripture and the Lord Jesus wants us to understand and know there's a race that's set before us and we ought to be, like Hebrews is saying, we ought to be running that race with endurance to that goal, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Ultimately, it's Jesus is the goal, but there's a lot of implications about what, what that looks like fleshing out in real life. There's a goal and there's a point to what we as believers are to be working towards, to be striving after, to be desiring to get to. In this life. Well, friendships, guys, gals, can help keep us on point. They can help us keep our focus there. I want to share a quick story in my life about how this has played in my life. And it's, it's more than just this one time, but this one time was very uh, an influential part where I see this come true, where friendships helped me get back onto target. It was 2007 into 2008 season of my life. I had four years or so prior graduated from college, and I was a I was a I was a youth a student ministries pastor, youth pastor at a, at a church plan in north part of Denver. Um, I had been in this position for three or four years, and it was exciting. I, you know, I was fresh in the ministry. I was excited, fresh out of Bible school. I was excited to be sharing the gospel in the community, be sharing relationships. You know, we had a youth group, and it was growing. It was thriving. God was just using this youth group and the staff and the volunteers to just bring the gospel in, in, in context of that North Denver area. It was awesome. We'd visit skate parks and do little demos with them, and we'd share the gospel after doing that. Believe it or not, I used to skateboard. I know you'd never believe it, but uh, we, and we used to share the gospel. We, we saw fruit, and, and, and I, I believe at that point in my life, I, I had a focus, and, and people around me, they were helping me focus, and I was going towards that target. I was going to what, what God had called me to. I was running after that prize. Jesus, here we go. And then all of a sudden, a lot of life happened. At the time, I was dating a girl, and, and I'm going to just say this right off. It wasn't Lauren at this point, so I, I'm giving away the story a little bit. But I was dating a girl, and it was a very serious relationship. It was, it was a great relationship. God had brought, brought us together, and it was good. And, and, uh, and, and, and I was in this ministry, you know, this student ministry pastor position, had a lot of friends, had a good community. Everything just seemed to be going great. Well, as you guys know, I have Crohn's disease, and uh, you know, you, you've shared, a lot of you have literally shared in my story in, in the last several years where I've been struggling with it. Well, back here, I started struggling with that again and, or at, at one point, and uh, you know, my physical health started to go down. 
this relationship with this girl, really long story short, it ended up breaking up, and, and my emotional life was, was, was just in chaos. I was going to counseling. I was a mess. I, I couldn't tell right from left or up from down in terms of emotional stuff. And, 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 and as a pastor at that time, I, I, man, I had nothing to give the students. I was just so worked up, and my eyes were so fixed on myself. I couldn't see, I couldn't even see how to minister to them anymore. And so I ended up resigning from that pastor position, and my health got so bad at this point, I couldn't take care of myself. Here I am, you know, a 25-year-old guy or whatever, and, and I had to move from my apartment. Now, I kept my apartment, but I moved home to Maine for a few months so I could just regain physical strength. I was in a bad place. I wouldn't say, I know depression is a strong word, but I, I was in a low place of, of emotional health and in physical health. And it trickled into spiritual health. Like I was a mess. I was angry at the Lord. I was like questioning him. I was confused. I was just in a bad place. My eyes came off of that target in that season and began to look at the wind and the waves and the circumstances, and it was a mess, and that's all I felt. Well, praise God that friendships can help us keep us on target and or help us get us back on the target. And I'm going to say this, my, my friends, if, if they ever listen to this podcast, Adam Wakefield, you're the man. Chris Bachelador, love you, brother. And Jonas Wharton, dude, you are the best. And uh, Drew Collins as well. You guys, these four guys, okay, in my life at this point, saw me go through all this. They upped their game of friendship, I would say. They took a guy who, honestly, at that point, I didn't know if I'd ever be in ministry again. I was like, I'm just a mess. I can't. There's nothing I have to give to anybody. I, I can't even keep my own life straight, you know, kind of, kind of thoughts. Well, these, these, these guys came around me, and in that season, in the next year, year and a half, they... they Reestablish. God used these friendships in my life to regain my focus back onto that target. And in about a year or so, or what, I can't remember the timeline exactly, but all of a sudden I found myself in a position, and all of a sudden I was in a position of a pastor again, and, and, and I would say, you know, a lot of healing took place, and my, my focus got back on Jesus. My focus got back on the race that God has for me, and, and I continued running. And it was because of those friendships, guys. It was because of those deep communion, of deep foundational friendships that I had that helped me get back on the target. I want to turn quick to Acts chapter 20. As we see this unfold in Scripture, I want to look at the life of the Apostle Paul. Some of us may be in here and be like, ah, I'm strong enough. I don't need friendships. I'm strong enough. I'll, I can get through it with just acquaintances and I can just get through it by myself well I don't know the apostle Paul couldn't and if as we turn to uh, Acts 20 uh, go go to verse 36 context here in Acts 20 we have the apostle Paul he's talking to the the elders of the church at Ephesus he's spending some time with these men these good friends of his that he's been ministering with over the years and he's been encouraging. He's, he's encouraging them to keep going on the mission that, that God's laid on their heart and that they have in, in Ephesus. And Paul even says uh, prior in this chapter 20 that he, he knows he has to go to Jerusalem and he knows he's going to be in prison. The Spirit of God told him that, that he was going to be in prison and possibly ended up putting to death, which ended up happening later on. But 
So that's the scene. He's talking with these elders, and we come to verse 36. And when he, when Paul had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on part of all. They embraced Paul, they kissed him, being sorrowful most, uh, most of all because of the word he had spoken that, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. I just want to, to see this, this scene, guys, because we have the Apostle Paul. I would, I would consider the Apostle Paul one of the strongest men of the faith that, that you, know, of, you know, there's a lot of them in here, but I, I see Paul's life and I, wow, what a life of, you know, courage, of faith, of being a, a man that just steps out in faith and, and is strong. And yet here he is, Paul, he's, he, his eyes are fixed on the target, but I believe as he knows he's got to go to Jerusalem, he's going to suffer, he might be imprisoned, he might even die. Now, I think his, he needed to be close in close friendships. And I think he knew that. And if you read beyond what we just read in, 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 in verse, or, uh, chapter 21 of Acts, through his voyage back to Jerusalem, you see him stopping at different places, spending time in people's homes, being prayed for more and more. And we see him, the body of Christ, come around him as friends in his efforts to keep his eyes straight. Now question, I know we can't answer this question, but what if Paul didn't have these friendships in his life? There, there, there may not have been a strong testimony that he would be able to have. Again, we can't answer the question. We can't ask what ifs because we have Scripture and it's, it's truth. It's what's happened. But you may be the strongest person of faith, but we all need friendships. Even Paul needed these friendships. Friendships help us stay on target. Now with this Scripture, I, I want to I talk to guys in the room. I want to single us out for a moment, guys. Guys, do you see this passage? Weeping, wailing, kissing, kneeling, praying with each other, okay? There's a lot of emotional gooey, gooey, like we, we're kind of like, like, you know? When was the last time, guys, that you cried with a friend about something of life, you know, about something that upset you about life or about, you know, your marriage or about a job that got torn away from you or something, you know, something just went iray. When was the last time that you, either someone was weeping and you were praying with them and you were with them in that situation or you yourself were broken in that way? A lot of us guys, what do we do? Something goes wrong. I'm all right. I can take the hit because I got a big chest and it's hairy, you know? Guys, we, we need to not play the macho card through our life. And there's many of us, and, and I'm going back to men and women, there's many of us, men and women, who think we can make it without deep friendships. Along with this thought, there's an analogy that I heard recently that says that having friendships is like breathing air. You know, it's, it's kind of funny, but we don't walk around being like, ah, this air is so good. Ooh, this air just brings life to my body. And ah, as you sit down to dinner, you're not like, ah, do you smell that air around, guys? Ah, it's life-giving. We don't do that. But when do we do think about air? If we're underwater, if we get trapped underwater and we can't get out of this, we start thinking, oh, boy, air's pretty important. Boy, I never, I kind of took this for granted when I wasn't underwater. And it's, it's, it's kind of funny, but we do the same thing with friendships. 
How many of us, when life's going good, don't feel the need to have deep friendships and relationships, but then when we get underwater, so to speak, when something comes and it kind of hits us down and down and down, we find ourselves in need, we look around and go, I don't, I don't have anybody. Where's, where's my friends? And sometimes some of you even get mad at people, thinking, oh, why aren't you my friend? Well, you never were a friend before. You never had a deep relationship before, so... No, and, and some people don't even know you're in this bad situation in life because no one knows you. Friendships help keep us on target. When storms come, when confusions set in, when we're not sure whether to turn to the right or to the left, friendships can help keep us on target. Finally today, as we consider that friendships need to be a central part of our spiritual life as we become more like Jesus. Finally today, not only is friendship part of our DNA, it's, we are created with it, we are, we're going to have eternal friendships, it's part of our DNA. Not only do friendships keep us on target in this in-between before, we, before the Lord comes again and, and all sin is gone and, and, and it's easy just to keep those friendships going, but in this in-between, our friendships keep us on target. Finally today, Friendships bridge the gap to the lost. Friendships bridge the gap to the lost. What do I mean? Turn to Matthew chapter 9 with me. Matthew chapter 9 is an example uh, in the Gospels that we see all the time. We see Jesus uh, inviting people uh, to, to his home or to inviting himself into others' homes and we see this invite happening all the time as the gospel unfolds. And he's doing it with people who in society, we're going we're gonna to read out of some, a book here in a moment about this situation. He does it in, in a way where, where the religious leaders at the time are, are having a cow about it. They're not okay with whom Jesus is befriending, with whom Jesus is eating with. And we're going to see why. But let's read here in Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus, and in between verse 9 and 10, there was obviously an interaction between him and Matthew, and, and Jesus invites himself to Matthew's house, and this, other gospels you know, show this detail out, but here we come into verse 10. As Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, or said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when Jesus heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not a sacrifice, for I came uh, not to call the righteous, but sinners. Question, through the gospel, is Jesus eats with these tax collectors, with these sinners, with these prostitutes, with these people of society that obviously the Pharisees and Sadducees, these religious leaders at the time, are having a hard time. They're, 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 they're mad at Jesus for doing this. Now, why are they getting so mad? Well, here in, in the, our Western culture, here we are, 2018, uh, culture has changed quite a bit. We have no idea, and I'm going to read a, a, an excerpt here from Brendan Manning in his book, The Ragamuffin Gospel. 
Brandon gives us some, uh, some insight of what's really going on in this culture and in this time when Jesus was inviting people to have dinner with him or when he was going to share dinner with somebody else at their house, what this meant. Let, let me just read this for us this morning. This opened my eyes to why the Pharisees got so angry at Jesus. Manning says this, In first century Palestinian Judaism, the class system was enforced rigorously. It was legally Okay, legally, in culture, legally forbidden to mingle with sinners who were outside of the law. Table fellowship with beggars, tax collectors, and prostitutes was religiously, socially, and culturally uh, taboo. Sadly, the meaning of, of meal sharing is largely lost in the Christian community today. In the Near East, to share a meal with someone is a guarantee of peace, trust, fraternity, and forgiveness. The shared table symbolizes a shared life. An Orthodox Jew saying, quote, I would like to have you uh, for dinner is a metaphor that really implies I would like to enter into friendship with you. Even today, if an American Jew uh, will share, or even today an American Jew will share a donut and a, and a cup of coffee with you, but to an extend a dinner invitation is to say, you, come to my mikdash miat, the miniature sanctuary of my dining room table. Come, where we will celebrate the most sacred and beautiful experience that life affords, friendship. That is what Zacchaeus heard when Jesus called him down from the sycamore tree. And that is why Jesus' practice of table fellowship caused hostile comment from the, from the outset of his ministry. We, we don't understand how significant it was for Jesus to sit down at the table, to recline at the table with these tax collectors and sinners. It was him extending an invitation of friendship to these lost people. An invitation of friendship. Now I want to pause here real quick. and exp- just I want us to chew on this for a moment. What I am not saying here in extending a friendship to the lost or to, the, you know, to, to, to sinners in our world, or even what Jesus was doing here, what I'm not saying is that we all should be best friends with the lost and best friends with, with those who are not yet believers or non-believers. I, I'm not saying that we ought to form ourselves to the worldly and become like them in order to befriend them. That's not what I'm saying. And that's not what we see Jesus doing. We see Jesus in full purity and in full righteousness and full holiness extending welcomes to these lost people with love and mercy. We see Jesus in full purity and righteousness hanging out with the drunkards. What does that mean? It means that he's not himself drinking or becoming drunk. Okay? We see Jesus, sure, extending this, invita- this invitation of friendship to a tax collector, and Jesus isn't pawning money from the, the less and disadvantaged of culture. We see Jesus befriending the, the prostitutes and sitting down with dinner to these prostitutes and sinners, but we do not see Jesus becoming a prostitute himself. And we don't see Jesus even being influenced by that. Rather, it's the opposite. We see Jesus extending this love and mercy, befriending them in order for them to help them understand grace and forgiveness that God offers. He doesn't condemn them, yet he does beckon them to join him in his new life. 
Now, I think there's two extremes when it can come to this, befriending, de- befriending the lost, befriending people that are, that are non-believers, and because that's, that's part of what God wants us to do and wants us to be. Jesus exemplified it. There's two extremes, though, and I believe some of us this morning may fit in one, or, one of two camps. Number one, I'm going to call these guys just anti-sinners. You're scared to hang out with them because you're scared you're going to be tainted by them. You're going to be, you're going to be scared that they're going to influence you. And, and sure, there's, there's a place where we need to be careful about that, absolutely. But, but you find yourself always hanging out with believers, always hanging out with church things. The, the only social life you have is church stuff. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're never with believers, if you're an anti-sinner type of person, I believe that's an extreme place of, of being wrong of what God calls us to be. Okay? The opposite is true. Some of us are not anti-sinners, but maybe in this place of kind of becoming sinners. We're so much involved in their life. We're so much influenced. We're so much have a heart for them to understand things that we sometimes we'll even do things that we know are against what we believe and do, and, and we'll start doing things even if it's just a, you know borderline. Ah, you know, is this sin or not? I don't know. But you 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 do things and your lifestyle is just like them, and, and you think you're reaching them, but you're not. They're reaching you, and you're 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 becoming conformed to the world. And, and as we know in Romans, it talks about don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So I think there's two extremes that both, I believe, are are wrong and not what God would have us do. But we see Jesus here, right in the middle, this sweet spot, if you will, between the extremes that he exemplifies. Befriending the lost, beckoning them, not condemning, condemning them, but beckoning them to know grace and forgiveness that you have found. When was the last time that you or your family in your house invited a lost person or a lost family, what be it neighbors, coworkers, family members, lost people to dine with you in your home. I don't ask that out of condemnation. I ask that out of encouraging us to live as Jesus lived, to befriend the, the people in society that are indeed sinners and that need to know grace. When was the last time we extended an invite to say, hey, I'm extending friendship to you. No, I don't want to become like you. No, I'm not going to just be anti you and condemn you. I want to meet you where you're at, love you with grace and mercy, and beckon you to come and find, come and see what I've found in Jesus. Friendships bridge the gap to the lost. This morning we started off with this phrase, friendships, and, and I, believe, I believe this is true. Friendships must be a central part of our spiritual life as we become more like Jesus. Where are we at this morning? Where are we, where are we at as the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you, as you've been thinking about your own life? Where are you at with friendships? Do you realize how important they are? Are you working? They take work. They take time. They take investment. They take a vulnerability on our parts to be known and to, to allow others to know us and, 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 and to allow us to, to know other people, even those people who are lost and who are sinners, but to know them and to share life with them. Friendships are indeed part of our DNA. We're created in it. We have, we're going to have eternal friendships. 
But what are we doing in between? Are, do, we have, do we have established good friendships in the here and now? May friendships keep us on target. You know, may we have friends that are around us that are believers that, that are helping us, encouraging us, go towards that, that goal, go c- towards that target, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Do we have people in our life that are doing that? Not just in a surfacey way, but in a way where they know what's going on in your heart. And they're helping your heart, the, the eyes of your heart, stay focused on that target. And finally, friendships of bridging the gap to the lost. Do, do we have friendships with the lost? Do we have good friendships with the lost? Where they know us and we know them. We're not becoming like them. We're not anti them, but we're just beckoning them to come and see what God has done. Come and see his grace and forgiveness. Would you pray with me for just a moment here as, as we wrap up this morning? Jesus we, Lord, we realize that friendships are a central part, Lord, of our spiritual walk with you. And Lord, I ask that those of us sitting here who, who would say, I don't have friendships, but I want them. Jesus, I pray that you would give us the courage to, to see people in our lives that, that we, maybe we're just acquaintances now, Lord, but that we can see people in our lives that we, we invest into, that we take the first step. Lord, they, they may be in the same place as we, wanting, wanting a good friend. And Lord, I pray that we can have the courage to take the step to be known to them and to befriend them and to, to, to start that relationship of, of going deeper with, with someone. Lord, and I pray for that for some of us. Lord, maybe, maybe we're here this morning, Jesus, and we're, we're saying, Lord, I... I don't think I need friendships, and I still don't, even after what I've here heard. God, I pray that, that we in this place, Lord, that we'd, we'd see that we were knit, we were wired. It's in our DNA to, to, to have this capacity and desire for, for friendship. Lord, and I pray, I pray that, that that desire, Lord, you can create that desire within us, Lord, that we might desire and crave closer friendships. And Lord Jesus, for us here today, that that may have great friendships within the body of Christ, Lord, within your body. And Lord, I pray that, that, that there might be some here today that, that don't know how to be friends with the lost. Lord, and might be on either extreme, Lord, maybe we're kind of becoming like sinners and, and they're influencing us more than we influence them, Lord. Or maybe we're kind of anti and we're scared. We don't know how to even handle being a friend to sinners. Lord, I pray that you meet us where we're at. Jesus, would you bring us to the next steps that you have us in our growth of becoming transformed, Jesus, into your image and your likeness. And God, we pray these things, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, let's stand uh, this morning as we, as we come to close. Um, I want to remind us as you shuffle and stand up, uh, please hear this. Uh, visitors, maybe you've been here for six months or even a year or maybe just a few weeks. Uh, we, we do, as Brian said, we have that newcomer's coffee where we'll be able to, you'll, you'll, it's just really informal, it's very casual, we're going to have some cookies and, and some, some drink we can just share together, and uh, time for us as a staff to share, hey, this, this is who we are, this is what we do, this is what our church does, this is how you can get more connected, we, we'd really encourage you to come back. Uh, we don't bite, I promise, Brian might sometimes, but we don't bite. <laughs> 
I'm sorry. Anyways, hey, as we end, but please come back right after the service. We're going to go right down, and, and there's some uh, signage showing you where we're going to meet back down in the conference room. Come back and, and visit us. We'd love to get to know you. But hey, as we end today, let's, let's read this together as a body of Christ. Let's read this as we encourage each other. Uh, let's read this together as we're dismissed today. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Hey, we're dismissed, guys. Let's, let's think about friendships this week. We'll see you next week.